Hey, this is Mark. And this is Jay. We just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of NerdCage Live. And be sure to tune in to our live show on YouTube every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. NerdCage Nation, happy Halloween and hello and welcome. That's right, you're trapped in NerdCage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always with me, the warrior from Wakanda, the fiend from Louisville, my man, Mark Withers. Introduce our fine warrior today. What's going on, man? Super excited to be here as usual, and yes. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter and Rick Rosenthal's Halloween 2, and we figured what better way to celebrate this anniversary than with one of our very good friends from Real Talk, a movie podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Wesley Jones, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. And as soon as you guys said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about Halloween 2? I was like, heck yeah. Gabe and T-Man are always trying to keep me pinned in, caged in on the horror. So it's just good to shed those guys for the night so I can get out and talk a little bit of Halloween 2 with you fine gentlemen. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We just want to jump right in and sort of talk about this movie. Now, I personally have not seen this movie uh, since I was a kid. I watched it earlier today. So I wanted to hear from you. How do you feel about this movie turning 40? Well, it's hard to believe, right, that the movie can be 40 years old. It came out a year before I was born, actually, but it's always been in my rotation of horror films because I'm just a huge Halloween fan, always been a Halloween fan. The very first horror movie I can ever remember watching beginning to end was Halloween 4. That got me really into the franchise. And my buddies and I, when we were kids, we'd go to the video rental store and we would wind up always coming home with either a Halloween or a Friday the 13th just to kind of have on in the background while we were <laughs> hanging out. But I've watched it for many years. So, yeah. Right on. Jay, what are your thoughts on the movie? It's not a masterpiece by any stretch. It's an all right sequel, but what's really interesting is that this is the movie that basically turned the franchise on its head basically launched three different timelines. It's got everything you want to be entertained. It's got your blood, it's got your gore, it's got hilarious tropes. It's a fun time. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. This is certainly not my favorite horror movie, certainly not my favorite of the Halloween franchise, but I do recognize its importance in terms of its place in horror cinema. So the slasher genre is one of my all-time favorite horror genres. There are so many slasher films, like it is crazy the amount of movies that they put out. I think the true testament to Halloween 2 is, number one, it's a sequel, which of course, there's not very many good sequels in any genre, much less in horror. They're typically a big letdown. But if you compare Halloween 2 just to pretty much any other slasher film, that is where I kind of hold it. 1981 is considered probably the best year in slasher films. Absolutely. You know, there's so many amazing horror films that came out, uh, not just in the slasher genre. Heck, you had American Werewolf in London and Howling and all kinds of great, great films. But if you compare it to a lot of the slasher films from that era, it's head and shoulders above those. This was when John Carpenter was at his peak. 
This was during that run where he did, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Assault on Precinct 13, but it is a great gritty film. He did that, he did Halloween, he did The Thing, he did The Fog, and this is before they live. You know, this was when he was at his peak. So, Escape from New York. Of his talents. Escape from New York, heck yeah. So he was involved in it, and I really like what the director, Rick Rosenthal, did. Now, he was handpicked by John Carpenter to do this film, and his whole purpose was it was supposed to be just a continuation of the original film. And I personally think he did a fantastic job directing and setting the pace, because if you watch the two films back-to-back, Although they're three years apart, different actors, different director, different everything. He captured about as well as you can the tone, the pacing, the look of the original Halloween film. Now, it's nowhere near as good as the original Halloween film, but I think he deserves a lot of praise for his ability to capture the original tone and stuff. So it does feel like a natural continuation, which is another, I think, a positive of the film. But also compared to the other Halloween sequels, there are some atrocious Halloween sequels, especially the ones that came out in the 80s and 90s. This one's one of the better ones. Yeah, and as far as sequels go, this was incredibly successful at the time. It grossed about $25.5 million and ended up being the number two horror film of 1981 behind American Werewolf in London. And I find that incredibly interesting considering that this was a sequel that almost nobody involved wanted to make. John Carpenter was already working on The Fog when the producer of the original film insisted that they go forward with a sequel, opting to search for someone else to direct it. He found Rick Rosenthal off the strength of a student film that he had made. Rosenthal was essentially tasked with keeping the tone and the energy of the original film and executing Carpenter's vision. The one thing that made the first movie revolutionary was when we get the POV shots as Mike Myers as a kid. And this movie, even though he's not a kid, we got that POV shot of him wandering around the neighborhood and eventually following Laurie to the hospital. So I can appreciate that they still captured that on these one takes, basically stayed tradition with the first movie. Right, and in addition to that, they peppered in actual urban legends of Halloween that existed during that time. Now I'm old enough to remember what Halloween was like in 1981. There's a scene in particular that I'm referring to where there's a kid and his mom going into the hospital and he's got a razor blade in his mouth. Now that is in reference to an urban legend that was popular at that time where we as kids all thought that there were people putting razor blades in candy and that we had to be extra careful about the houses that we trick-or-treated at. And they also, you know, that scene right there, because of that urban legend and kind of what it was doing to the child that was trick-or-treating, it laid the groundwork for Halloween 3. What's funny is that although Rick Rosenthal was handpicked by John Carpenter, there are several scenes in the film that John Carpenter directed himself and not Rick Rosenthal. So what an odd situation that was. I don't want to direct. I'm going to handpick the director. I don't know if I really like what this handpicked director did. I'm going to go back in and direct some other scenes and we're going to put it out. John Carpenter calls it a long story. I would love to actually hear from his point of view what the long story consists of with the making of this film. 
Right. Now, it's funny that you mentioned things being thrown in. I kind of wanted to touch on this as well. The original screenplay differed greatly from what we actually got as a finished product. Yablins didn't really care for the original. He thought it was sort of lackluster. It wasn't punchy enough. It wasn't interesting enough. And so they decided to make Laurie Strode the sister of Michael Myers. Guess what the inspiration was to that trope? Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a minute and praise Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis. They reprised their roles. They were both fantastic. It was nice to see them back. On top of that, if you're an eagle-eyed viewer, and I didn't know this until re-watching earlier today, but we actually get a very early appearance from Dana Carvey. Yep. (laughs) I was astounded to see him in the movie, even though it's not speaking. It's kind of like Blink if you miss it. He's in there twice, but it's just amazing that a lot of big-name actors, comedians, and whatever that we know today got their start in horror. Let's talk about some of our favorite scenes from the movie, starting with you, Wes. What would be some of the best scenes in your opinion? Well, number one, the scene that's on my shirt here is where Michael walks up from behind the nurse and he has the scalpel, which he uses actually the majority of the film as his weapon of choice. It's just shot so well, like it looks so good. And he kind of walks up and of course, You've got Laurie Strode's character who has been through like the minor surgery. I think it was on her arm where he had stabbed into her arm in the original and she went over the balcony and fell. It's kind of like a hazy, foggy look, which I really appreciated that. It actually felt like you had been drugged a little bit watching that scene and to see this scary figure come up and then stick the nurse and kind of hold her up and her kind of twitch a little bit. And then one of the most famous scenes of the movie is the hot tub scene. Yes. I heard that that hot tub was not a hot tub at all. It was actually, you know, colder water that was made to look like a hot tub. And neither the actor nor the actress wanted to do that scene. They didn't like it. But that is just a really creepy scene to know that you're there, you think you're all alone, you know, you're getting fresh in the hot tub, and there's somebody watching you. And then he comes in, she tells him, you better go turn the heat down or it's going to get cold in here pretty quick. And so he does. He gets killed. She's the focal point of the shot. He's being killed in the background. And then he comes in. She thinks it's her boyfriend, but it's Michael. And then he is actually turned the heat up even higher and then winds up scalding her. That's a creepy scene, in my opinion. And I'm sorry, one more, one more. (laughs) Whenever I was a kid, the scene that was the most intense to me is whenever Lori and him get into the basement and she's trying to get away. And again, she's still drugged and he is following her and she gets to that elevator and she's trying to go up. It's just an intense scene. Those are three scenes that I feel are like probably the best executed, the most memorable of the film. Absolutely. Jay, what about you? I like the hammer kill. It's borderline amusing, but it's also pretty like creepy at the same time. I don't know how else to describe it. And then I'm going to switch gears completely. And I was just telling Mark off here how amused I was rewatching it. They're chasing the kid with the white mask on and he gets hit by the car. And then there's an explosion. What makes it funny is there's a continuity issue. You see him get impaled by the car and he's leaning over and he's burning to death. And then cut to the next scene, he's standing still like this, upwards. <laughs> and I also think it's funny, he's like, he's trying to rustle Donald Pleasance, like, don't shoot him! <laughs> it's, it's so funny, I can't 
can't help it. It's so funny. But I like that scene for a different reason. What about you, Mark? What are some of your scenes that you like? The one scene in this film that has stuck with me for 40 years is the scene where one of the nurses goes in to find the doctor and she gets a hypodermic needle oh, in her yeah. eyeball and they actually show a close-up of the needle going into the eyeball. Even now, that makes me wince. I have had the absolute pleasure of meeting John Carpenter on three different occasions. Now, I'm from Bowling Green, Kentucky. I podcast out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. John Carpenter is from Bowling Green, Kentucky. So wow. he comes back to Western Kentucky University, where not only his dad taught and retired from, but John attended before he went out to USC's film school. I've always been a Halloween fan. And in Nashville, Tennessee, they had the Haunted Prison, which is the best Halloween haunted house that I had ever been to. And I went several times as a kid. It actually was an old state penitentiary that they turned into a haunted house. Like it was huge attraction. We're standing in line, we're getting closer to where we're going in, and there is the booth set up, and I see pictures of Michael Myers everywhere. And so once we get up there, I realize that it's Dick Warlock, who is a Hollywood stuntman, but he also played Michael Myers in Halloween 2. And he's wow. giving autographs for 10 bucks. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm getting Michael Myers' autograph. So maybe a year later or so, one of John Carpenter, his visits to Western Kentucky, which he would come just about yearly there for a while. Well, people knew that I was a John Carpenter and a Halloween fan. So although I wasn't attending this particular class, I was invited to come to the class. John Carpenter came, he talked to our class. It was like a film appreciation type course. And he came in there and spoke and, and talked to us. And again, it's just 20 people and John in there telling us about the stuff. So anyway, after it was over, I had brought a copy of Halloween, the movie, and I brought this picture of Dick Warlock and I wanted to get John to sign it. So mm -hmm. John is smoking by himself, which he's a big chain smoker. So he's outside smoking and I approach him and he was very glad to talk with me and very accommodating. And we talked for a little bit about different things and he signed my copy of Halloween. Well, then I whipped out the picture of Dick Warlock. Wow. And John kind of stops and he looks at me and I could tell he was not too thrilled that I whipped this picture of Dick Warlock out. And he's like, you know, that's not the original Michael Myers, right? That was played by Nick Castle. And I said, yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that. I was like, yes, sir. Yeah, I know. And he said, oh, okay. And I said, well, uh, you don't have to sign it. Like, it's, it's no problem. Right. And he's like, no, I can sign it. You know, it's just not Halloween. I said, I thought that you produced the movie and wrote the movie and all that. He's like, oh, I, I collected a paycheck more or less. Wow. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay. And I felt so, he made me <laughs> feel so <laughs> awkward about this because I'm like, okay, you've directed some of the scenes, you're a producer and you're a writer. He was all about signing my Halloween movie. Right. He did not care anything about, nor I could tell did he want to sign anything to do with Halloween too. And that's always stuck out of my mind. And that's been 20 plus years ago. Wes, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate this movie? 
still to this day, I'm still coming in about an eight out of 10. It's one of my favorite slasher films of all time. When I compare Halloween, Halloween 2, even Halloween 4 to, in my opinion, the mess that they're making of the Halloween franchise now, Wow. And what Rob Zombie did to it, in my opinion, these original films are just so much better. Jay? Trying to be as fair as possible. Again, this is no masterpiece. As I said earlier, this is no Exorcist. This is no Omen. This is no Halloween 1. I'd have to come at about a 6 out of 10. It's not a great movie by any stretch, but it's entertaining enough. If you're going into the right mindset, like this is not a masterpiece, this is for the fun, for the gore and what have you, I think six out of 10 is absolutely fair. A little generous, but fair. I'm probably gonna score this the lowest. I'm gonna give it a five out of 10. I thought that some of the scenes had tremendous logic problems. The acting in it, with the exception, of course, of Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance, was just not where it needed to be. That said, stylistically, it really does capture the same vibe and the same energy of the first Halloween film. And I would be remiss to not recognize its importance overall in the horror genre. All right, at the time of this recording, Halloween Kills is now in theaters and streaming on Peacock West greatest movie podcaster out there along with his buddies <laughs> Gabe and Tommy I'm dying to hear your take and as a, as a longtime fan of the franchise give us like a generalization rapid review of Halloween Kills right here right now on Nerd Cage Live now I will preface this by saying I'm not a huge fan of Halloween 2018 and that's blasphemy to some people Jamie Lee Curtis, too crazy. The Fumas character, which is the fake the Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis, didn't care for him, didn't care for the ill-time humor. Not a big fan of that movie. I'd actually give it about a five out of 10. The previews for Halloween Kills, which I hate that name, first of all, I actually got pretty excited. So after a choppy opening, about 30 minutes in, I'm thinking, this movie is like a love letter to Halloween fans. They've got literally the same characters from the first Halloween 40 years later reprising the same roles. Wow. That is super cool. They've got some nods to Halloween 3 in there. They've got nods to Halloween 2 in there. They've got nods to several other Halloween films in there. I'm digging it. I'm into the story. I'm liking it. It goes way off the rails. It is so over the top. It is so gory. It is so violent. I could not believe how violent and gory this film was. I'm disappointed, guys. I'm telling you, I do not like the direction that these last two Halloween films have gone. Give me the original series all the way up through H2O versus anything I've seen since. So, so uh, you want West with the Dukes out? Wow. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not <laughs> a big fan of it. Man. <laughs> not a fan of it. Watch Halloween 2. <laughs> very, right very well said. I appreciate the fact that you gave a very honest opinion from a diehard fan. So I'm going to have my guard up just a little bit now. Temper <laughs> expectations. Halloween fans will appreciate it. So Wes, we really appreciate you spending this time with us. Where can people find you? If people want to listen to us, carry on. Uh, see, this episode was supposed to be, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then you get me on here where I can't shut up. Uh, that's what you can find over at Real Talk, a movie podcast, and pretty much anywhere that you get your podcast, any podcast directory, you're going to find us. And what I always like to say about our show is what we attempt 
to do is we want people to feel like it's just you hanging out with your buddies somewhere, whether it's at a sports bar, whether it's on the couch, whether it's just riding in the car, carrying on a conversation, that you're just there with friends talking about film. That is the setting that we try to create. And anyone who wants to come over and listen to us, we have a very wide range of films that we cover. And we'd love to have you. And uh, again, I can't thank Nerd Cage enough for the support that you two gentlemen have given us, the platform that you've given us. And anytime you guys need me, I'm, so I'm there. Much. Thank you guys. Also, please check out the Real Talk Facebook discussion group. Hello fun. We'll put the link in the description. Please check them out. And I just want to give these guys an endorsement. Nerd Cage Live endorsement. I love listening to the Real Talk movie podcast because you know what? It gets me through the workday. So highly recommend it from your boy, Jay. Absolutely fantastic. I completely agree. These guys really know what they're talking about. And it really does feel like you're in the room with a bunch of film fans, a bunch of your buddies, and you're just talking about movies that you love and why you love them. I, for one, really consider this one of my favorite podcasts, and I really hope you check it out. So before we go, we please ask you to like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, spread that shit like silver. So you, I say, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Syracuse, New York, to all of our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live. As always, enjoy life, stay safe, and happy Halloween. Sayonara. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs> Ha 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 ha!